river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 98. Basically part way through day three at this point. And yes, the wyverns have swept in towards Lakeview, at which point they're getting a round of combat before the day ends. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then we're, then we're ending the day. And then, um, and then you then you are moving your armies. Yeah. Um, Pytax doesn't have any armies that are within distance to move, or you'd be aware of them. Yeah. Uh, so functionally, there's only they can you know move their armies out around etc yeah. etc. But yeah. So we resolve the day of battle with the, in Elsrest. We yeah. just need to do this battle in Lakeview. Yes. And you've got the Wyvern's current hit point totals? Yes, I do. Because they haven't had the opportunity to do any healing, so they're... Yep, yep. The only thing I haven't got is the um, trolls crossed off. Yep. Because keeping track of them and their regeneration was made more difficult by the fact that, um, you know, they didn't get to regenerate a lot. Yes, yes. Because it was very sad for them. Yes, but the Kirsten Bowman died for that. <laughs> and Kirsten, of course, has been captured again. Yes, because getting captured is because it's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But the bright That's side, how he gets behind enemy lines and seduces information out of one. Well, the bright side is at least this time he's been captured by people who are unlikely to provide him as free provisions on the road. Can't trust those clockwork men. Uh, the Aravetti the, um, may not be Mr. Cuddles, but I seriously doubt he's going to threaten to eat Kestem. Okay. And yeah, so we begin with basically it's sort of midday, passing midday into afternoon. Um, the Cobalt defenders, I think, are well aware the Wyverns are coming. Yeah, as in they've headed to Lakeview to cut them off, kind of thing. Yeah, so they get into Lakeview and see the Wyverns sweeping in on them. Mm-hmm. And then we go into army combat again. Yes. So we begin with morale checks? Yep. And because this is essentially a new battle starting 
both of them are at um, a reset to normal, regardless of what they were in last time. Stances, tactics. Oh, yes, 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 of course. Yep. Like, the wyverns are, you know, might or might not have been aggressively yes, attacking yeah, yeah, Varnhold, yeah, yeah. but they've now had a day and a half to, to yeah, change formations yeah. alter what they're doing. Alright, um, the, um, kobolds have 22 on their initiative. Okay, so it's me losing and declaring first. Yep. Uh, the kobolds have really high morale because they're super happy they made it into, like, the head of the wyvern advance. Because, you know, the alternative was not going to be pretty for the, all these tiny, tiny, tiny little kobolds. So the wyverns are super confident and super aggressive, so they will go to aggressive. Okay. Uh, Lakeview's got a defense value of 8. It's only going to provide you so much carrying bonus, guys. Um, but the kobolds are, of course, dirty fighters. Yep. So they want to not take any penalties on their first uh, uh, round. Yep. So they are going to start at normal. Yep. I will um, get a pin and be able to actually track their hit points and stuff like that. The wyverns, of course, don't know they're dirty fighters. And the... um, Starting off at normal. Cobalt Defenders, take a swing. Yep. Good. Not crappy number. Uh, is that the army rules? Yes. All of them. So what's the kobold secret cheaty fighter defensive defensive attack they use given the wyverns are all flying above them? I think um the um being kobolds yep. they've ripped up some kind of like um wall trap style things where if you fly too close to the walls that it, a bit of the wall slides down and it shoots out some little tiny flayflora style yeah, a whole, things. A whole bunch of like fire and ballista, little yeah. mini ballistas. The, the, they're sort of, of the, they're kind of the things that fire and then immediately break. So the kobolds have spent, you know, all morning rigging these things up. They all fire, they hit a bunch of wyverns and then they all explode and the kobolds dive for cover. Yeah. And that's pretty much the end of their ballista defense. So the, kobold, the kobolds are cunning defenders. The wyverns are just straight out aggressive attackers. They just fly full on, no subtlety, straight into the walls and start ripping and tearing at whatever they can get their, their claws and, and teeth upon. Yep. Uh, 26 as well. Okay. Um, uh, that equal, with the defenses of Lakeview, that equals the Kobold's defense. Yep. Cool. The um, wyverns hit the end of the round and then turn around and fly away again. Okay. So they... So, right. Um, the, fight is, the fight is over. 
the wyverns disengage from the, the battle, having no interest in continuing. Okay. And you get a free attack at them as they depart. Cool. They are not obliged to rout, they are electing to flee. Okay, sweet. Alright, and the kobolds get a uh, 15 to hit them on the way out. Uh, and that will actually hit them and hurt them lightly again. And then the wyverns fly off. Okay, so the wyverns take a swing and then depart. Yep. Okay. And as the day ends... They are slightly less horribly wounded than they might otherwise be because they effectively get... Um, extra defense value from the fact that they can fly and you can't. Their yep. additional maneuverability translates into extra defense value. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, and the day ends. Cool, okay. Alright, so where are we at? Uh... So, um, for the moment, everybody except the Hoos of Thunder are going to stay put. The yep. Stag Runners defending Elk's Rest, um, the Ecobol defenders defending Lakeview in case the Woverns decide to come back in and have another try tomorrow. Um, but I'll be watching where the, um, where the Woverns try to go next. Yep. Um, the... Hooves of Thunder want to disengage at this point. Same thing the Wyverns have done. Cool. They've gotten pretty beat up and they want to get out of there. So the Pytax regiment, uh, who have ranged weapons, will rain crossbow bolts on them as they depart, basically. Because yep. they get, but they get a free shot regardless. Because um, when an army disengages, you get a free shot. Yes, yes. But yep. in terms of visually, in terms of the they flavor, have ranged yep. weapons. So his clockwork men have a lot of heavy repeating crossbows. Yeah. So it's basically the machine gun as you're fleeing, you get the methodically firing after you. Yeah. They take their parting shot and it is exceedingly poor. That's a 14. Yeah, so the centaurs are mounting a prepared retreat and they're prepared for people to shoot crossbows at them. Yep. So the centaurs depart. Everybody sends his men new dice. <laughs> um, so in terms of where they're going, yep. they're probably heading for Thornwatch. Yep. Because it's just up the road. Yep. They can um, they can get there pretty damn fast because it, it, it's literally like two roaded hexes from Lake from um, Elksrest, mm-hmm. and they can sit there and recover while also um, providing some emergency defense in a settlement that doesn't have any. Yep. So the centaurs go to... Thornwatch. And then um, it's on... It's where the wyverns go now, is the other question. Uh, The wyverns are out of here. They cool. are going back. They are flying back out of your lands towards Pytax. Excellent. At which point, you can effectively track their movement for a while. But if you're not going after them, no, you that's to expliciate it to you. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, are you intending to go after them? Which is, in fact, a perfectly valid option. At which point, it does matter where they're going and how fast they're getting there. Not at this stage. Okay. No, we've got enough problems keeping this a defensive war. So they simply flee out of Stagthorn. At which point, um, 
the Cobalt Defenders stay in Lakeview this day, and then, you know, next day may come up to reinforce the Stag Runners, although, um, marching into all that crossbow fire is a bit of a bold move, as, yeah. the, as the, um, Bowman found out. Cool. But the next day, it's going to be the Stag Runners versus the Pytax Regiment, who have taken heavy damage, but are yep. still a much bigger army. Yep. And they are still doing pretty well. Their commander seems to be exceptionally competent. Yeah. So, deprived of their central support, the Stag Runners' attack and defense reduces by by one, yep. because they're no longer deriving a benefit from yep. expire courage, which I'm just checking I've got that right and noting that down. Uh, so what's what's it looking like from the Pytax troops' point of view? What are they looking at in regards to your city defences? Where-ish your hit points look in terms of the armies are bloodied, the armies are completely fine, the armies look like they're better than they started at? So um, Elk's Rest's um, castle and walls and all defences are pretty much destroyed at this point. Yeah, you're down to nothing. Yeah, there, there yeah. are no city defences worth speaking of. It's not that they can't be rebuilt, but no one's really big on doing yeah, that right is, now. What you've still actually got there is 80% of a good solid wall. Yeah. It's just the 20% that's got a big walking hole and it renders the entire wall functionally worthless. Yeah. It's not in terms of when you're finished, you're going to have to literally rebuild the entire wall, but in terms of a battle strategy, it's no longer of any value to you. Yeah, so the... Um there are no defences worth mentioning in, that the city of Altsrest is offering to its defenders. Um, they've all been blown up by those giant ballistas. Mm-hmm. The stag runners are completely unhurt. Yep. The um, the Keston's bowmen were killed, the hooves of thunder have been badly hurt, yep. and that's what those two armies have been doing. They yep. have not successfully hit the stag runners. Cool. Um, however, and um, what do the what do the Pytax regiment look like? Bloodied. They they are not about to fall down any moment, but they are certainly hurting for it. Cool. Their morale doesn't seem to be suffering heavily. Again, pretty good commander. Yeah. And they are staying in it to win it now that they have knocked your defences down. Yeah. And so that's where we are at. No, yes. no reinforcements show up for them. No reinforcements. No reinforcements show up for you. Both. Around we go. Yes. So, morale checks. Yep. Okay, so I will take the Hues of Thunder out of initiative. Pythax on 10. Uh, Stag Runners on 21. Yep. So just the way it looks there. Cool. So what are the Pytax Regiment doing? Uh, they are going to go to Standard and... Having sort of gauged vaguely where you're at, they're now not necessarily sure where to go to from here. You know, do they risk it all on one glorious charge, or do they turtle up having knocked down their defences, and they're going to fall in the middle? Um, the stag runners are going to go to the first tier defensive. Yep. They're um, they're the only guys left now. Yep. They want to they want to last last the distance, yep. if that means taking a doing stand a between your kingdom and destruction. Well, at least Elk first in getting conquered. Yep. Mm-hmm. Alright, cool. and they make an attack roll. Yep. It is poor. Um, I'll just add it up to see if this, it's even... Yeah, it is... Alright, yes, and then there's the minus two. I imagine a 16 doesn't get through the defences. No, the Pytex Regiment have had enough time to set up their yep. own crew defences, sandbags, that sort of thing now. Yep. Pink! Pink! Uh, 13. 
Definitely doesn't get through. Yep. Okay, new round. Yep. Uh, nat 20, the initiative. Okay, so that's you. That's you again. Yep, so what are the Pytax Regiment doing? Same, same. They're happy with how that came out. Happy with normal. Yep. Stag runners stay on defensive. Cool. Okay, so stag runners take a swing. Cock die. <laughs> and the stag runners crit. Cool. Um, so that gives them a grand total of the starters. Ah, uh, yes. Because so, that's relevant. Yep. So, uh, so because it's that, it is a thirty. Okay, and then plus a d an additional d four with the damage. Yes. Uh, and that is a four. So four damage. Functionally on a thirty four. Uh, and the Pytaxian regiment. This time close where your defences and basically make big sallies against the walls, pour through the holes, put ladders up, really pour into the place, and uh, go super aggro at it with a 29. Oh, very nice. So that's going to be a, a bloody round on both sides. Yeah, I and think, um, they pay for it. Yeah, like, I think a big chunk of them gets cut off with the, the city and just mowed down. Yeah, their but army, is, their army is, um, is not literally decimated. They are yep. figuratively shredded. So you said that was a 29? A 29. Yep. Nine. Okay, so that is... Yep, 8 points of damage to the stag runners who take a solid hit, but are still... Nine, in... 19 defense value plus um, 2 cautious, is that correct? Uh, six. Um, they've got... Oh, right, I forgot about the um, cautious. Yes, that's very true. They take slightly less damage. Uh... 38. 38. So, so their base DV is 21? Their base DV is 21. Because they are, um, because your army are not, um, yeah, they've got a DV. Because they're not mounted, you get extra bonuses. No, I think that's to attack, but they're, uh, yeah, that's to attack, not to defence. Their base DV is 21. Cool. Because have you honked them up on superior armour and that sort of thing? They're wearing masterwork armour. And they're, um, and the mounted, um, Boost their DV. Yeah, yeah, it's, just it's, it's, it's the mounting that's doing it. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, one thing Aravetti doesn't have a lot of is is mounts for his people. Yes. Yeah. But you know, fleshy and things. Yeah, yeah. I can. He hasn't actually worked out how to build the clockwork horses. Well, there's also an argument that if your army is made of machines, you don't need to put them on horses. Because okay, so you're still functionally fine. Yeah. Uh, they paid hard for that one, though, and they are uh, risking routing. They are yeah. down to less than 25% of their total hit points. Yep. Uh, so they flee automatically unless their commander makes a 15 morale check, uh, which he does. So they're not obliged to flee from you. Yep, at which point they can decide... Uh, um before we, I believe before we hit the next round, they decide yeah, if they, they want flee to... flee or they stay. Um, See, they're, they're, it's, it's very obvious to Kaelin's troops that one good shot is going to knock them down. Yeah. You know, on the other hand, this is as good an opportunity as they're going to get at your guys. Yeah, yeah. And one or two rounds, probably, one or two decent rounds turns this around in their favour. Yeah, it's certainly... It's, it's the usual thing of, you know, I'm now low enough with hit points that if I run, I might just die. Yeah. You know, but I might not. Yeah. But do I stay in it and hope I don't provoke? And uh, all things considered, 
they will consider their orders. Yes, because it depends what Uravetti's kept enough defensive resources yeah. that he can afford to lose this army. Yes, but if does, he, prepared, it, he doesn't, um, he doesn't, of course, want to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Uravetti has played this like a kind of cautious man. You know, he's put a lot of resources into this. He can afford not to, for them not to come home, but he might well prefer them to come home because then he's still got a giant army with siege engines. On the other hand, he has successfully destroyed my defences, which might not happen a second time. Erometi is thinking. In the sense of literally he's yeah. given a bunch of orders already for this um, this contingency. That's the GM catching up with his tactics. Cool. No, he is happy to continue. He has. You don't see Ravidi as the sort of guy that gives orders of fight to the death, no matter what. Yeah. But the commander still thinks he's got a pretty good shot here, so yeah. he is going to stay in it. Okay. And as that's two rounds, is that the end of the day? No, three rounds is three the end of the day. Three of the day. Cool. I couldn't remember. Cool. Okay. And morale checks. Yep. All right. Uh, that one hardly. So. Yeah, I'd say so. The stag runners got a. Uh, uh, it's that you've got problems. No, that's them. Yep, it's uh, Pytax are up. Yeah, I think um, the stag runners are a bit daunted by being the only ones left yep. on the battlefield. So Commander Jurg watches carefully to see what's going to happen next. The stag runners stay with defensive. They don't want to go any. They, they still their their hope of winning this battlefield relies on inflicting the damage to send the bigger boys home. Uh, and the Pytex regiment will actually switch to a defensive position as well. Okay, this makes good sense. Okay, and they get first swing. Not that it matters given it's all equidistant, but spiritually speaking. Uh, sorry, roll a bit of the dice tray. I can actually see it. Uh, that is twenty five. Alright, so that's a hit, but not a massive one. Uh, and also you need to put two more damage on there for their sniper support. Ah, yes, because they hit last they round. Because they successfully hit last yep, round. That takes the two hit points off that the defensive thing yep. created them. Yep, okay, so, um, the, yeah, but, um, so just tell me the, re- we'll work out the regular damage. Yep, 20, and then 25 on the roll, minus cool. your DV. Yep, so, um, that is two points of damage from that, and then another two points from the sniper support, presumably. Cool. Yep, so that, um, 36 to 32. Yep, so the stag runners are lightly grazed. But of course, they don't have an infinite number of men. Wow. They need to buy some of whatever, you, whatever defense value stuff you'll put on them. Cool, you're up. Yep. Uh, and the stag runners roll extremely poorly, which is what the Pytaxian guys are going to hear. And given their um, defenses are up, you'll doubtlessly miss them. I'll, I'll just add, I'll, I'll just add it up to check. Okay, but, thank you, close, cool. Uh, yeah, no, that's all right. No, thirteen. No. Yeah. Cool. And that's the end of the round. Yep. And thus the end of the day as well. Yes. So it goes back to you to move armies in and out and whatever it is you want to do with your life. Yep. At this time, the Kobold Defenders are going to move near to Elk's Rest, yep. but not within Bowshot. Okay, so 
they'll have the same thing that happened the last time. They move into the, they can move into the hex, which makes them theoretically engageable by the Pytaxian regiment. Right. Like the Pytax regiment can elect to flee this battle, yeah. provoke in the process, and then go start another battle with the kobolds, and there isn't really anything you can do about that. Yeah. They will get uh, shot at on the way out by the um, by the stag runners. Yeah. That's 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 the thing that you're. Yeah, yeah. No. Um. So there's no percentage in bringing them close and not bringing them into no. the fray. Well, um, I mean, there is in the sense that you've got another army there on the spot, and it's. It, but but you then can't stop the Pytax regiment turning round and going and killing your kobolds. Which, in all fairness, they could probably go and do anyway, because they could just move hexes into Lakeview. Yeah, but um, they'll have a much harder time doing it in Lakeview because the kobolds have the yes. massive city defences. Yes. Um, the question is, are they likely to risk an attack opportunity to go potentially kill off one of your armies? Yeah. Um, so my question is... Yep. Um, as the kobolds... If the kobolds come in and, and join this rumble... Yep. Um, can they begin the fight by going defensive? Like, because they've got the ranged combat to worry about? Yeah. Do they have to have a normal modifier to start the ranged combat, or could they go in starting with the tactic of defensive uh, as they enter the area? So you do a tactics phase, and then a ranged phase, and then a melee phase. So right, the tactics sorry. apply first. Cool, okay, so the tactics apply before the ranged phase. Yeah, they can, however, only by default go to cautious, not full defensive, without yeah. a morale check. Because you need to know what the lay of the land is before you get in there. Yep, so I should be using C rather than D, because that's the one the stag runners are on. You can't just go in there with the assumption of, we'll go in complete shield wall, and then you find out the Pytaxian regiment are actually west of you instead of east of you, at which point they run you down. Makes sense. Okay, the kobolds are going to come and join this fray. Cool. They are um, one of the armies that are supposed (laughs) to defend... um, Stagform, Stagform mm-hmm. is actively being attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, I let me just check my map to see if they can actually get there in one day. Um, yep, it is only four. Yep. Cool. So a day's march gets them there, basically. Cool. So the kobolds enter initiative, and yep. everybody makes morale checks. Yep. Pytax uh, wins. The stag runners have got twenty-five. Yep. Uh, oh, in all fairness, uh, Pytex only have 25 as well. Alright. So it's opposed on their charisma, I suspect. What's your leader's charisma modifier? Plus four. Yeah, it's Pytex. Okay. Alright, and then the Cobalt Defenders um, get a nice high 20. 25 with a plus four charisma modifier? The, the army's oh, morale got, is plus five. Yeah, because they've got leaders. extra morale from your um, training academy. military building, training yes. academy. Cool. Cool. So that's the order that we go down. So we begin with the kobolds, yep. who declare that they are nervous about this whole advancing into a prepared... Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, they, they kind of want to use their... Um, dirty fighting. Their dirty fighting, but, but they not are at the expense of getting wiped out in the ranged round. And so they are using cautious. Yep. They are still going to get the benefit of dirty fighting, it's just not going to be as effective. Yep. Um, and the, um, just as basically like, because the kobolds are advancing from the other side, and basically on their round, any Pytax regiment who engaged them are going to fight in the night while everyone else was asleep, because the kobolds have dark vision, they've dug a whole bunch of little pit traps. Yep. 
but that will be in the melee phase. Their strategy is cautious. And the stag runners are sticking with cautious as well. Yeah. And um, the Pytaxian regiment are actually going to drop one to, to proper defensive. Okay. The thing about being the biggest army is you should have the best stats, yeah, so you should they, be able to afford that. But they, the, their problem is they can't afford to screw it up once. Yeah. Once they take a hit, they're out. Yeah. So. Alright, and um, then it is... Then it's the range phase, so the, the kobolds try and sneak in. Yeah, the Pytaxi Regiment get a shot at them. Oh, fuck it's off. Is a 23. That's a nice solid hit. There we go. Okay, so... Uh, so three points of damage yep. from that, and plus two for the sniper support if they want to use it. If they use it here, they can't use yep. it. Yep. But well, it makes they sense. Might still do it here. Yeah, yeah, because they hit, definitely hit here. Okay, so that's um, thirty-eight minus five, so thirty-three in the cobalt defenders takes them being shot. Yeah, I suppose your cobalt defenders are. Um been um, sneaky defensive as well. So. Yes, and and are uninjured. <laughs> yes, it's it's the stupid high ACs that the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, my armies are so difficult to injure for you. I mean, to be honest, that was kind of the goal. Your ACs are not this high. <laughs> well, that's a shame. Maybe your many should have bought us guys some more armor instead of those giant fucking siege engines. Oh wait, they, they were expensive. Thank yeah. you. Yes, I bet they were. All cool. right. Um. And then it is the stag runner. Yep. Oh no, then it's the Pytax Regiment's melee phase. Yep. That was them firing that. So they get to decide which one of the armies they're um, taking their melee shot at. And both armies look functionally unharmed? Uh, no, both armies look slightly injured and both have about the same hit point total. Right. So we'll endeavor to exterminate the rats. Nasty. Uh, so that is. Uh, 23, so it just more or less bounces off again. Uh, no. Um, because the last 23 did them some damage. Yes, yes, they take like three points of damage. Yes, they take three points of damage. Cool. And, um, then the stag runners take a swing. Yep. And miss flat. Yep. And the kobold defenders take a swing. Yep. And regrettably. Probably miss as well, but we will add it up given it's their big round. Um, Alright, so 7 plus. Oh, you're already like 2 up on. Uh, plus 4. On them anyway, because they're a plus 4 defense. Yeah, so that's a 19? No. Didn't think so. Yeah, no, crappy rolls all around. The Pytax Regiment, you know, yep. did 2 rounds of damage, which is more than anybody else managed. And. Uh, they haven't been hit again since. No. Because every time you hit them, they're obliged to make a roll yep. versus route, but not for just existing well yep. injured. They've already solved that problem. Uh, however, at this point, they are going to elect to to retreat. Because there's another army on the battlefield? Uh, because they've, they've been functionally unable to significantly damage either of your two armies okay. in any meaningful way. Yeah. And um, are basically left crit fishing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
which is not a good place to be in when you're dying. Yeah, yeah. At the point where they're um, already on the defensive. Yeah. No, they will pull back. Cool. Uh, so retreat. You. This is very notable. Bugles go up. The Pytex regiment starts retreating, and you get two shots at them if you desire, which should almost certainly take. Yes, yes, I absolutely will get two shots, but of course my guys are both still incautious. Yeah, and their AC is still up, because they're deliberately retreating carefully. Yeah, well that's one of the advantages about taking the extra round, is it lets you go to total defense. Yeah, it's the first time it's come up, but I quite like how that's... um... Yeah, and it's because it's a planned retreat. Um, The stag runners rolled moderately well, but we'll see if they've rolled well enough. Okay, so it's the 12... Plus 12, minus 2, uh, 22. Uh, they are a, they have their big defensive wall up and are retreating very cautiously. You know, several blows go in, like several soldiers drop, but literally you could count them on a couple of hands. Yep, and the kobolds crit fumble. Yep. Um, the kobolds get a bit overexcited and get out of position, and if there were going to be more rounds, wouldn't be able to contribute to them, but as there aren't, the, the kobolds, um, valiantly attack an area of the battlefield where it turns out in cold light of day you know, the Pytax Regiment weren't. Okay, so the Pytax Regiment route, at which point they functionally move out of combat. Yep. Um, and then we are, the combat is over at this point. Yeah. We stay semi in not in rounds per se, but we go back to measuring in days because it depends what you want to do next. If you yeah. just watch them, uh, cer- certainly given how badly injured they are in the mobility of your troops, they're probably not just going to turn around and go have a crack at a better defended um, city to break its walls down again. Yeah. Um, but you can um, pursue them as an option completely available to you. It depends what you want to do. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, the stag, um, the kobold defenders stay in elf's rest. Yep. And, um, the stag runners, um, hmm. I can't really run them down, though, if they keep moving. Uh, what is your speed of the stag runners? Uh, it is, um, sorry, these things are black with the, the incredibly difficult to read white lettering. Would you like some help? Uh,. Yes, I definitely have it written down. I just can't see which one it is. I'm pretty sure it's the same as the other armies. The horses don't make them faster. The centaurs are faster. Yeah, their speed is two. Yeah, uh, which is the same pace that they are moving at. So, um, what what happens here? I think I'll explain this via the meta because that's going to be simple if you yeah. make your choice on. But it all makes sense to yeah yeah. Uh, basically. They retreat away from the wall, the rubble of the walls of Elk's Rest, and move out of bow range and move off the fields, and are functionally a mile away by the time they're finished retreating. Um, uh, for starters, um, if you if you end it there, you garner a victory and potentially gain a new tactic. Um, because your army doesn't just literally look at the sky and go, aha, we're such and such now. Yeah. They've got to actually break from battle properly to do that one. Um, If they take off... uh, If you leave them alone for a month, i.e. a kingdom turn, they restore to full hit points. And the same applies for you as well, of course. Um, Otherwise, each day that they're at rest, without moving and without fighting, they heal hit points equal to their CR. Um... 
um, which will be you know okay, but not mega mm. amounts. Like, what have you got there? Like CR seven or eight armies? Yeah, I've got um, CR eights and yeah. CR sevens. Yeah. So, like, you know, eight hit points a day would make a would heal you guys up in a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, they also have the capacity to heal faster, than, basically at double that with with some successful loyalty checks and things. But that requires them to just stop, which is kind of dangerous. Yeah. Or they can keep moving, at which point, because you can't go faster than them, you can't functionally run them down, you're you're reliant on something else affecting that outcome. Um, I.e., if they got slowed by another one of your armies walking into them and engaging them, then they have to stop and do that, at which point their day goes past fighting and you overtake them and run them down. Yeah. Um, but... The, the downsides are, if you ch- do you have any method of actually overtaking them or cutting them off or anything of that sort of thing, including with your other armies? I mean, the thing is, I could advance, um, like, the Varnhold army of the Fort Dreyliv's shields out of Varnhold of Fort Dreyliv and towards them, yeah. but I probably couldn't get them there in time. There yeah. are roads between, but those two places are quite a long way away. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a question of geography, because... Yeah. Fort Dre lives over here, and Elk's Rest is here, so you'll go, you're having to go on a longer intercept to get them here than the Stagrons are actually going chasing them. What you need is the geography the other way. Elk's Rest is here, Fort Dre is here, so you send your troops out and cut them off. Yeah, and the thing is, because, um, because the, like, my fast army that had special cut-them-off powers were the Hoods of Thunder, and I used that speed to get them into battle, and they're yeah. now horribly injured and definitely don't want to be cut- cutting off a much larger army. So, um, I think I don't... At, the, at this point, I don't have any functional way to stop them that isn't unnecessarily perilous. Yeah, so there are a couple of things that you can do. Um, you can essentially harry them out by chasing them and ensuring that they can't rest. You can chase them on the assumption that they will rest, at which point you'll catch them and go back to battle with them, but they'll have more hit points. Um, or you can chase them on the assumption that... Um, they'll keep running from you, but the floor there is they're running back into their territory, which yeah. they control and has its own defensive value, and you actively know there are other armies wandering around, around down somewhere. There. Yeah. So you're then exposing yourself to be potentially cut off by one of Pytax's armies. Yeah. So I think um, what I would do yeah. is send the stag runners after them to try and catch them yeah. until they cross the border into Pytax, cool. at which point the stag runners will withdraw and will cool. functionally give up on that as a plan. Cool. On the basis that if they stop to rest, yep. we'll catch them. Yep, and they are in bad enough shape that they are not prepared to stop. Um, there's, there's military tactics in stopping and suckering your own ambush and getting a range round again and all this kind of thing, but they're just not in a position to do it. Yep. Because the first good hit, you, the first decent hit you deal with, them obliterates them. Yeah. Okay, so Pytax's regiment retreats, and the Stagrons basically harry them back over the borders of Pytax. Because um, it's more, it's it's what Kalen would do. It's more dramatic. Yeah. It sends the message. You know, you better run. And then return, tired, exhausted, and beaten down. Yeah. Um, and uh, what you will also see is. Um, Erevetti's regiment is basically made up of um, 
in the same way your army are all generically human, but you've got a bunch of, you know, dwarves, elves, this and that, and the other thing in there. Um, his army is mostly people with a with several clockwork men in there, so he's got 2,000 people in that army, and of that, maybe 200 are clockwork men kind yep. of thing. So it's not enough to get him the bonuses of having an army of clockwork men. No, for example, if you had an army of clockwork men, you're pretty sure that they wouldn't um, risk routing from retreat, because they, as far as you can tell, they can't be afraid. Yeah. But that would also mean, for example, they can't be inspired by bards and a bunch of other things. So it's yeah. a big, having no emotions is a mixed blessing. And you have to have enough whatever gives you clockwork men buildings yes. to, to supply a sufficient number of your population. I mean, 2,000 is a pretty big number. Yes, presumably it's cheaper to hire and train men than it is to um, build clockwork armies. Yeah. Because yeah. you still have to arm them. Yeah, yeah. Doubtless Cerveti's annoyed about it, but... Um, alright, and that is that, basically, then. Yep, at which point the stag runners and kobold defenders have won the battle. Yes, they have. Uh, they may make a uh, loyalty check, assuming they can still gain new tactics. If they can't, there's no point. Yeah, so um, I, from last time I choose one of the armies to um, Correct. pick up a tactic, and I am picking the stag runners. That's a you with. So they make a... So I'm making a Kingdom Loyalty check. Kingdom Loyalty check. Cool. Alright. It's not a great number, but my loyalty is pretty freaking high. I make it. And um, the Stag Runners are selecting the tactic of Siege Breakers. They think this battle would have been easier if they could have blown up those giant fucking siege engines. Yeah, so they start concentrating and drilling on that one. It's it's very hard to argue with. Uh, They also gain morale. Cool. Uh, Question. Yes. Do the kobolds gain a morale for defeating the wyverns as a separate battle? Uh, that depends if they learn anything from it. So what we need to do is roll back a step and give them their loyalty yes. check. Yes, sorry. They, um, That's fine. Uh, they Again, I would say they actually have to stop and rest to learn this because it's yeah. not just magic ding noise. Your army suddenly knows how to kill siege weapons. And they do not. Yeah. They do not have enough... Do they gain the morale anyway? Do no, they, they have to garner the, the tactic. tactic to gain the morale. And, and essentially, what your military academy is doing is your armies are so pre-inspired by the concept of victory, yeah. they get some of that morale already. Yeah, it's um. How many tactics is a max? Two. Uh, oh, it's the army. Uh, an army can know a number of tactics equal to half its CR. Right. Okay. Cool. So the big armies can actually learn a few more. Yes. Cool. So Van holds up to two. Yes. It's. Like, universally across the board, the bigger your army is, the better it is. No yeah. matter what it's made of, no matter what it can do, the bigger it is, the better it is. Yeah, that fits a little Cool. So the kobolds could actually learn another tactics, even though they've got both. But because my armies tend to be quite tactics out, because yeah. they have the advantage of the military academy. Yeah, and I'd, I'd have to check your military academy to see if that allows you to break the cap, but I don't think it does. I think no. it allows you the preemptive. Um, no, because the thing is that you, ha- if you want a bigger army, you have to kill them and refound them. Yeah, and that means instead of starting out with a new army that knows nothing, you yeah. start out with an army that's already pre-booked for for some of their combat things. Okay, which is going to be extremely extremely relevant when we be rebuild the moment. And so, 
Um, at this point, don't heal anyone. Yeah. Including your armies, because that depends on what you do next. Yeah. Because um, I'm going to keep the wyverns and Pytax's um, uh, stats here until I find out how many days you're spending doing what. Yeah. At which point I'll then work out where they are and what they're doing and etc. etc. Um, so basically we cut in on what I imagine is Caelan surveying the battlefield. Yeah. The holes and the walls and all that sort of thing. And what's the end butcher's bill from your point of view? What's it, what is what is this war cost stagged on? Um, so Keston's bowmen are destroyed and... Keston's been captured. Keston's been captured. The majority of them are killed. Yep. Um, the um, hooves of thunder are pretty badly beaten up. Yep. They're at... Um, uh, a bit, um, a bit under half their total hit points. Yep. The stag runners and the kobold defenders are both lightly hurt. Yep. They're at um, three quarters of that, more than three quarters of, slightly more than three quarters of their total hit points. Yep. Or slightly less. Yep. Somewhere around there. Um, the Vanhold army. Um, I'm I'm only mostly worried about if they're dead or stuff is yeah, broken. No, the um. The Elturist defences have been pretty much destroyed, yep. but only in the sense that we can rebuild that. Yep. Um, the and the and the um, Keston's bowmen are dead. Yep. So the um, we lost an army and paid a heavy toll for this victory, but a victory is pretty much what it was. We were attacked and we defended ourselves. Yep. I mean, it doesn't really mean Pytax lays open before us quite the reverse. We're an army down, we have to rebuild our defensive wall, yeah. and, you know, it was a very near-run thing. And from their point of view, you have badly wounded his army of wyverns and his large regiment, but both have retreated in okay order to live to fight another day. So those guys are effectively still fighting forces, yeah, given a little bit of time. And come yeah. back again, sort of thing. Uh, his troll marauders army has been wiped out. Yeah, so it was kind of it was. It's, a, it's pretty even. Yeah, it was a it was a success for Stagthorn because the um, Pytax wanted to ki- kill us and they didn't succeed. But it didn't leave. It's not like the um, Draylu's big sneak attack where he threw all his resources and it was left hopelessly unguarded. Pytax is nearly as strong as a force it was, and we have been weakened some. So it's kind of. Both sides take damage, both sides live to fight another day, both sides are still pretty strong. I found something amusing in here. A commander with a history of losing battles, being captured or ransomed, gains an unlucky reputation and reduces the morale of the army they're commanding. Oh, right. (laughs) So Keston should have been reducing his morale? No, no, it's when he's got a history of doing that, like Ah, the second time he's been captured. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Poor Keston. He's fought a lot more battles than that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so um, in terms of what I'm doing next, um, my armies are staying active for a while to see what um, to see what Uravesi does. Yeah. But there's kind of a theme of gradually moving, you know, like um, th- there's a certain amount of standing down going on. Yeah. Like um, they're not really showing any signs of marching regrouping and marching for the border, they're staying in place and recovering. Um, and then, um, basically, if he's not taking another swing at this, I'm not taking another swing at this, is the general thrust of my... Yeah. Yeah. 
broadly, I think you are likely to get at least a kingdom turn before anything else happens, because his armies need to fuck off and go heal up. That's pretty much what mine are doing, too. Um, Alright, and so you suffer a losing an army penalty in here as well. Yes. Um, So at this point, you can basically um, file your army stats away again. Yep. Because essentially what will be happening now is Kaelin is is having a strategic debate with his advisors or, you know, do we pursue this? How do we pursue this? Do we, do we, you know, assume a defensive stance? What do we do next? And, um, all my kingdom stats take a minus one penalty. The troll army. Did I get to loot the troll army? Yes, you did. Just trying to figure out what that entails. Looting. Right. Offers up its CR and build points to the victors, a combination of food, supplies, and weapons. Uh, so you garner five build points from this. Cool. I'm going to be spending a lot more than that on this war, but it's yeah. nice to get at least a little bit back up. Um, and a lot of that is in the form of uh, literally gold. You know, what the trolls have is a lot of, you know, heavy giant tree branches and that kind of thing. It's not exactly sophisticated weapons. They have food and they have gold. Cool. And the gold is unsurprisingly marked from Pytax. Yeah. But they paid them. Yeah, I think I think we we knew that. Alright, so Yes. That's hilarious. because um, we're in Kathona. What I did in Kathona is build walls and Elkris. Mm-hmm. So that was a timely, um, timely piece of construction. I will also tell you that um uh, Irovet- I, I am not, you know, tracking Irovetti's kingdom's build points down to a T and running him by remotely the same rules you are, because it's pointless, heavy amounts of work. But he's effectively got a war budget that he's eating build points out of, so his resources are not infinite. He cannot just endless, endlessly produce armies. Cool. You know, if you just leave him sitting there for another year, then I'll just I'll massively spike his war budget. Yeah, yeah. But, um... You, you are not fighting against an arbitrary infinite number of regenerating armies. He's operating on costs in the same way you are. Cool. And yeah, so then, where do you want to cut to from here? Alright, so, um, I've noted down, so, um, when I do my next kingdom turn, I'll work out how long I kept the armies active. Yeah. But I'm assuming it was pretty much the full month by the time I um, moved them around and that kind of thing. Uh, because, you know, I've got the a week activating them to get them into mm. position. A week of, pretty much a week of warfare. Probably more like um, ten days of warfare by the time we chase the um, Uravedi out. And then, like, a, a week or so of keeping yeah, them active I, to recover. I, I think three weeks is about yeah, what we're three, looking at here. Yeah, three weeks sounds right. So, um, that's two... I need to pay two two weeks of their activation costs. Yep. Um, so, um, that'll be a big chunk to, of change out of my next kingdom budget. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then next next month I've got to consider all the factors, like, how do we get Keston Barris back and what do we do next? Yep. But, um, that's functionally the month of Cthona. Kaelin doesn't go... Sorry, um, is it Cthona? Yes, it's Cthona. Kaelin doesn't go adventuring because he's a little preoccupied with the giant army thing. Makes sense. 
So do you then want to go into a kingdom turn here? Yeah, that is pretty much what what happens next. Because I'll put Pytax invades as your Kithona invades. Yep. Yep. Yes, and the other thing you have is for the next couple of months is winter. It's not a great time for campaigning, generally. Ah, yes, that's but, helpful. But Irovidi faces exactly the same problems you do there. Yes. Uh-uh. I mean, perhaps less so in that the Wyverns have different needs, but they're still affected by the cold. They still need to eat food. Yeah. Etc., etc. Rocks into Abadias? Yep. Okay. And it is the start of a new year, 4722. Yes. Do I pick up a point of unrest for an army being destroyed or anything? No. Cool. No, the, the theory is that's pretty much covered in the penalty you're taking the loyalty, stability, and economy. Yeah. The economy is because people that would do these jobs are literally unable to do so now. Yeah. The loyalty is the, we're upset because, you know, one of our armies was destroyed. Yeah. And the stability is, we're worried because one of our armies was destroyed. Yeah. All right. Um, so... Before the start of the turn, Kaelin's treasury was 122 build points, and then he paid for a bunch of armies. Wow, that's palace money, that is. Yeah, yeah, but um, that's before he does anything. Paying for the armies will take care of a pretty big chunk of it. Alright, so... Consumption. Okay, so... Alright, uh... Okay, so I'm only going two weeks of the Kirsten's Bowman being active because they were dead in week three. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's six for them. And I spend 39 build points on keeping armies in the field. Mm-hmm. So getting to loot a troll army is not a great trade there, but that still leaves me with a nice solid 83 build points. Because happily, I had quite a good economy turn. Um, and um, my consumption goes down. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, it's, it's not a good trade, but it does mean temporarily it's very cheap to feed people. Well, if you could just get rid of a few more of them. Yeah, yeah. Cool, okay. Um, and that's the things that happen before the turn starts. Mm-hmm. I am ready to actually have the kingdom turn. So, yeah, fine with me. So, do you want to do the kingdom turn and then do all the talky 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 that'll come at the end of it? Um, that's the usual order. So yep, th- cool. that that would be my preference if you're all right with that. Cool. Because effectively, this is the stuff that we do as a result of that. Yep. Well, stability to see how your people are taking, you know, the, the war. Uh, yeah, the new Don't war. talk about the war. Uh, very high stability. So, um, make my stability check, yep. gain a build point, because I don't have any unrest. Yep. Cool. Uh. <laughs> uh, pay consumption, fill magic item slots. Yep. Those magic item makers are still toiling away. Yep, I've got a free slot. Even the war can't stop the production of the scroll of stupidity. Whatever <laughs> the crap they're making for you this week. I mean, ludicrously exciting, war-changing invention. So, you've got a medium slot? I do have a medium slot. Cool. 
then you will richly enjoy uh, this blessed book of wizardry. It's one of those magic spell books that uh, don't cost you money to fill in the pages. Yeah, it sounds great. For, you know, Umbleweed or someone. But uh, as none of my party are wizards, I presume no one's deeply interested? No. 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 No, it's of, it's of absolutely no value if you are not a wizard. Yeah, but I'll leave it in the slot for now and clear out these iron bands of binding instead. Okay. Uh, and then it's buildy, 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 build. Buildy, 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 build. Yeah, plain hexes, etc., etc. Yes. Do you have any unrest? Uh, I do not currently have cool. any unrest. There's no point having a royal enforcer shoot people. Yep. Okay, so it is many, many decisions. And yes, the fact that I just had a war will, in fact, yep. make, uh, cause me to make a bunch of decisions. Yep, so it's it's assigned leadership, playing abandoned hexes, build terrain, build settlements, build armies. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Can I have my copy of the... Um, Kingdom building rules? Kingdom building rules. So Pytex stretches right across the bottom of the hook tongue slab. The border of Pytex stretches right across the bottom of the hook tongue slab. Correct. Yeah. So it can be entered from the Fort Rayleigh map or from the corner of the stack on map. Yeah. Now I will point out some things that are of um, vague relevance to you if you're looking at building armies. Yes. That don't often come up. Um, you actually have a cap on how many armies you can build a turn, depending on your kingdom size. I thought I might. What is your size? Um, I'm over a I'm over a hundred. Okay, so you can build three armies a turn. Okay, I don't think that's. Oh, sorry, three armies and three armies or settlements. Right, they all yeah. come out of the same pool, so cool, I don't think that's right. significant. No, but it is good to know. Among other things, that means I can actually do more than I thought, so it's helpful information. And the only other thing that's of relevance to you is that armies must be built within a city, which actually is relevant when you're talking about moving things on this sort of time scale. Yeah, yeah. All right, and I'm good to go. Okay. So, tell me about Abadias. Okay, so in Abadias, yep, um, claims B eight of the Hookton Slough, yep, which is a undifferentiated grassland hex. Slightly close to Port Draylith. Alright. Slightly, slightly closer to um, Pytax. Yep. Like I'm claiming a path down. Yep. Um, in which I build a farm. Yep. Um, it's almost like I'm picking a rope that doesn't go through a massive. I'm working on a ro- potential road that doesn't go through a massive swamp. Um, in. Um, Um, he also built a half-price tavern in Lakeview mm-hmm. and a garrison in Merkvale. Like he sees, you know, war are coming. Well, like there's exactly one city that doesn't have an army, the yep. capacity to station an army in it. Yep. And he founds a lizard folk army. Cool. Um, as big as it can be. So a 200-man lizard folk army? 200-man large-sized lizard folk army, which fits effortlessly into the garrison, which can hold a bigger, even bigger army. But, you know, there's no... The only other one, the only building that holds a large-sized army, but not a huge one, is a castle, which... Mm-hmm. Um, 
bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and he buys his new lizard folk army bows and alchemical supplies, mm-hmm. which are cheaper than usual because they're not very big. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, regrettably does not have the money to um, purchase a military base um, in Lakeview and build another gargantuan army to go with the gargantuan army he's already got as well. Yep. But the the in the private conversation of the council, that's the ne- that's next term's priority. Once each city has its own defensive force, is a we're replacing Keston's bowmen with an army twice the size. Yep. But we do not have the money to do both, and Merkvale is totally naked at present, which um caused my um defensive strategy to have to trend heavily downwards. And that the lot of it? And that's the lot of it. Cool. I need to note down my actual Lizard Folk Army stats, but um, I figure we can do that, at, potentially do that at the end. Yep. And in terms of your um, your damage that you have sustained, your damaged fortifications and all that sort of thing, and um, Elk's Rest, so... You have a couple of choices. Basically, um, there are people who will repair them on the basis that, you know, you've got builders, construction workers, etc., etc., whose job is to build stuff who are already covered in your consumption. So without you, do- without you doing anything, they go up one point every week, so functionally for the end of a kingdom turn. Yeah. Um, your alternative is you can put build points into it, at which point they're going up a D3 plus 2 every week. For a, build, for a build point. Alright. And that's basically as good as you can get. Yep. So four build points to push them up that that fast? Because I've uh, only got would, four weeks. Yeah, that, and that would give you 43 plus 8. Right, okay. So, um, so each week you can either go up one automatically, or you can spend a build point and go up a D3 plus 2. Okay. Alright, so that's relatively... Alright, so let me look it, at... It is relatively cheap, because it's a hell of a lot easier to fix the broken wall that you've got than it is to build a new wall. Yeah, and um, four isn't very fast. Um, so if I look at what I am aiming for... And, and, I mean, it sort of depends what you're doing. If you were just... If you were expecting the wall was over now then it might be okay to just let it develop up itself. But that's also the kind of thing where being thrifty might catch you with your pants down if another army turns up. Yeah, and In, uh, in this case, the war is definitely not over, because you know they're all still out there. Yeah, and the thing is, this is kind of my guaranteed month's grace, because he needs the time to rebuild his armies. Next month, he might well just turn right back around and start coming back north. Particularly if I have a bit... If Elthrest defensive value is still super low. Mm-hmm. So I'm aiming for 16. Yep. So 4 out of 16 doesn't move me to a bigger house. Yep. So I want to start putting build points into that and see how I get on. Cool. So do you want to just roll some D3s and see how many build points you end up needing? That, that was the plan. Cool. So, so I spend 1. Yep. And get um, five, 5 back. So you're up 5 defense. Yep. 5 defense. Yep, so I spend another one and um, get another five. Yep. Which point I'm at ten. Um, and I spend one more. Yep. Um, 
get my third five, and I'm at 15 out of 16, at which point natural regeneration takes care of it. Yep. And for the cost of three build points, it's like he was never here. Sort of. Yeah, well, except for the all the dead people, but yep. you know, walls can be repaired relatively easily. Yep. Okay. And then, do we go on to, um... And, and then that's, that's what happens in terms of, um, basic, um, oh, um, and then economy check, of course, at the end of the... Yes. Yep. I make my economy check. This was a great time to pull that off. Yep. And then, um, so I pick up 40, 48 build points plus... Enough for a military on top of my whatever that whatever I spent that down to. Let's see here. We spent down to 27 in the treasury, um, and then it um, builds back up again for another potential, another turn, a nice solid 95, another potential turn of military, military conquest. Of military spending ahead of us. Yep. It's a good day to be a procurement agent in Kaelin's Kingdom. Yep. And um, the. Let's check. Um, the Wizard Folk Army has a consumption of two, so I'll put that on there because the rest of their stats are on the army thing but that's on the general consumption. Consumption goes back up to 20. That army consumption goes back up to 20 which gives me a net consumption of 2. <laughs> that's right, there's 1 before that's got scribbled on. It should be 3. Yeah. Okay. And then, do you, uh, so then you have your kingdom event, while well, you're still doing your kingdom turn things, you have your kingdom paperwork out and things. Yep. Uh, which is that you now have a bunch of uh, functionally displaced people. Uh, homes have been damaged and knocked down, soldiers have been killed, etc, etc, etc. And you get a loyalty check to see how upset people are about the displaced people. Ooh, and I have to roll extremely poorly to fail my loyalty check, and that's what I just did. I failed my loyalty check. I've got 134 on a control DC of 137, so I have to roll a 2 to fail. Roll a two, 1 to fail, and roll the 2. Okay, so... What's basically happening here is you get reports back pretty rapidly... Um, that, you know, people have been di- displaced, there are families that can no longer necessarily, um, you know, pay their rent because they're reliant on jobs where the person, you know, the provider of family's literally being killed off kind of thing. Um, it's people are broadly convinced that, you know, you will solve this problem in a fair and equitable manner because you've got that reputation now. But they really want the impossible here. Like people are saying, you know, why haven't you built homes for these displaced people? Because it's been a week and a half. Yeah. Where do you want me to get the home from? 
I think it might be represented in a certain sort of, like, war weariness. Like, people have had a year off it, war, but there have been several conflicts it's, now. It's more war panic. Yeah. Like, people expect you to react instantly and solve this problem. Yeah. And refuse to acknowledge that's a completely unreasonable demand. And just yeah. basically, you know, if the, you know... A, a, a good king would have already planned for the eventuality when the armies got wiped out and what was going to happen next and all this yeah. kind of thing. Uh, so you garner two unrest. Yes. And next turn you will be obliged to build an extra housing block, so a house building functionally, um, or you will garner that again, or you'll go through the same process again. Yeah. Oh, good. Like, I would probably imagine Kalen promises he'll build them homes. But, yeah. But don't feel obliged to. Yeah, yeah, um, no, well, Kalen absolutely promises. Yeah, but the problem is, homes. you know, they want Kalen to have built them homes yeah. already. Yeah, but. And of course, you haven't done that. Yeah, the unrest isn't actually going to be a big problem. One of the things about building giant military buildings is it solves yeah. your unrest real fast. Yeah. <laughs> Which I like to think is less that the military force, you know, crushes the, um, people are more that everyone likes everyone likes a booming economy in the sense that they won't be killed by trolls. Well I think also people are looking to, it's not just you know these people are displaced from their home, it's I'll be next. Yeah. What are you doing about oh a giant army. Yeah that'll that'll do. Yeah. (laughs) You know you're building more garrisons, cool. Mm. Military bases, garrisons are too small now. (laughs) <laughs> it must be hard to have such gigantic murderous crushing armies <laughs> and you wonder why Bivon's worried <laughs> it's like well, well we'll just knock out 68 build points to build a 200 man army well you know the thing is that you know as it turns out my armies were barely big enough so you know I'm really glad I did all that military preparation just like sitting next to the port, the other bastard in Seven Wonders. <laughs> I'm not doing anything to you. The military's not for you. It will just oppress you by proxy. Yeah, well, in all fairness, I've just been invaded by a giant army. I think it's clear who I built the military for. Once again, Kellen didn't start this. Yep, yep. Who's going to pay for that military afterwards? Before. <laughs> anyway, truce, truce. Yep. Okay, and that's that's my kingdom event. So, what happens now? Is any, does anything else kick in automatically, or am I down to the things that I do as a person? No, you are down to the things that you do as a person at this point. I imagine that you will um, want to have a council meeting of some kind. Yes. Um, and once you've once you've gotten the immediate crisis under control, so probably. As, as little as two days after the battle, you hear that Kaelin, Kaelin, Kaelin of Titania calling to you again. Cool. And I will go and see her. <laughs> and so you, the player, are now you know, running whatever scenes you want in whatever order. Yep. So she will step through the door into your into your um Actually, into your, probably into your war council room here, given... Yeah, you know, I'm, just prob- I'm probably working late. It's probably late. where you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's literally like the big tactics table with papers yeah. and miniatures of the armies all over it. And uh, Kaelin's doing the thing, there's a description of um, 
in the um, sharing knife books of the guy looking at his board and trying to figure out how to fill um, two, 400 holes with 200 pegs. That's what Kalen's doing with his tactics block. He's trying to, he's staring at his board trying to make his armies turn into bigger armies yep. just by looking at them. And, and you're realising how much easier this is when you're just on the other end of the mercenary contract and some guy just comes to you and says, we'll pay you X money to fight for this long. And you're like, is that enough money? Yes or no? Here you're going, now I need to get the money to get the armies. <laughs> it's much harder from this end. <laughs> Uh, but I will um, have sort of that's what I was doing and then when I heard Titania calling I will have um, concentrated on her and looked up at the door and the green skinned beautiful woman steps through the door again and she nods her head to you she says Kaelin Peacebringer Lady Titania I hope this day finds you as well as it can under the circumstances peace is not what has been brought to Stagthorn no, I'm afraid not. And Kaelin looks ruefully at his chart. We can rebuild um, <coughs> what we've lost and um, defend ourselves against another attack, but it's a matter of coming up with a way to take the fight to him. If we just leave him to his own devices, next time he'll have something worse. But um, that's my affair. Yes, I'm um, as well as can be expected. Sorry for the loss of so many good men and women, but we held them off. When the land is at war, I feel it. It is my affair, too. Our affair. And she will sort of move over to your tactics wall with all the pins and the boards and the maps and that sort of thing. And she stares at it just kind of blankly. This is not my way. I... I see nothing in this and she will basically draw a finger around the, effectively the borders of where Stagthorn is, covering Varnhold and Fort Draylev and all that, like your entire kingdom literally in the big hex grids type thing, and as she does so puts effectively illusory white paint all the way around, basically just draws a giant wall all the way around your kingdom and says if it were as simple as this I could bring you peace but my ability to influence this mortal span is limited. And what I can do against those who belong here, those who come from with your enemies from within it. And she flicks a finger through the, through the line around where Pytax is and just cuts through the wall that she's made around your kingdom. They will continue to breach the peace. We'll have to put a stop to them now. I heard Irovetti's words through you. That war is the natural state of the river kingdoms, that peace cannot be permitted. He knows nothing of the natural state of the river kingdoms. <laughs> he think he believes this clockwork king that he is cleverer than you or I. He must be shown the error of his ways. Peace must be brought back to our kingdoms. We need to find a way to beat him, but it's not going to be... Not that Drelev was easy, but he's a much... He's a much smarter man, and he hasn't left himself vulnerable. There's a lot of armies that we'll have to fight through to defeat Pytax. 
but I don't think there's any other way. Iriveti won't stop coming. He'll just keep building himself up until he feels he's got the advantage and then take another swing at us. I will do what very little I can to aid you here. The training, the teachings that I have given you, I think will help you more than anything else. But I will speak to the Fae who will listen to their queen. I will tell them to provide what aid they can. Strike at the armies where they strike. Strike at the armies and Pytax's men in ways that they can. I appreciate that, and you've already given us a great deal of help. The, um, the Church of Glarona has tried and failed to re- retrieve Goodinesca. It's good to know I won't be fighting her again. That is where. Ah, uh, yes. That is where the intrusion into my fable came from. I am pleased that it will come no more, although not pleased to owe the Clockwork King anything. There are enemies against which he and I are allies, like uh, what was his name? What was the centaur? What was the lich? What was the lich? Mordecai. Like Mordecai, but. I'm not sorry to be up against a mortal foe. At least, um, whatever happens in this battle, the, um, where it's a matter of our neighbouring lands. It matters, but it's not as bad as threats coming in from the outside that threaten everything. It is as bad as it can be. You must win this, Caitlin Peacebringer, and she looks at the wall again in sort of confusion. Somehow. We'll do everything we can. And I know that you I know that you you and yours will do everything that you can. If I could, Irovetti spoke of if he was guilty of anything, then let the gods' wrath fall upon him. If only I still had the wrath to let fall. Is this that thing where she doesn't seem upset, but it yeah. feels like she should be? Yeah, she's she's very vaguely sad and very vaguely wrathful, but only at like ten percent. It's like I'm I'm incredibly upset by what Rebetti is doing, and this is as as wrathful as I can get about it. Yeah. And yet, that's about. Um, what she wanted. Sadly, she has no practical advice on the matters of war, no useful resource. Yeah, but, you know, she's uh-huh. protecting the kingdom from larger threats. Yeah. And this is a matter of men at arms. Yeah. Which I'm not sorry to be fighting a matter of men at arms as opposed to facing something so terrible that we need her protect. We need the kind of protection she provides. And, you know... Tiny fae creatures are a big part of our kingdom's spy strategy. <laughs> and, um, you know, my, uh, when it comes to personally battling, I appreciate not being able to roll ones and crit fumble melee attacks. Do what you can. His way cannot be permitted. You cannot give him what he wants. <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, Kaelin's Kael- face darkens briefly, and I've no intention of it. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, and there's one of those three things that a Caleb will not surrender under any circumstances, and it isn't it isn't first or the sword. And she smiles at you somewhat sadly and says, "Go, go with my blessing, Caleb. Peace, bring it." And will stroke a hand down the side of your cheek. And you just generally, it's not a big boost, but you feel kind of rejuvenated, like you've had several cups of coffee, that kind of thing. It banishes the tiredness away. It banishes a little of the stress. And she steps, walks through the door and shuts it briefly behind her and just kind of disappears into nothingness again. And when you turn back round, that paint, that illusory paint that she put in the wall around your kingdom is now just this batch of flowers growing all the way around it, literally growing out of your tactics board. Mm. But there's still the slash through it where Pytax has come in. Kaelin will stroke the flowers in a certain amount of puzzlement. Yep. Yeah. And then you may make me a sense motive check here if you desire one. Yep, sounds good. Which you will probably um, not get far on, but... It's the uh, 18. It uh, didn't roll well, but I do actually have more sense motive than I remembered. Yeah. So yeah, you, you can kind of get what I suspect the player has picked up already this is a big deal to her and there's not going to be any sort of agreement or compromise on this between her and Erevetti. They're almost polar opposite locked on this. She, yeah. he, he, he's literally said, you know, the River Kingdoms must have war. Yeah. And she said, the River Kingdoms must have peace. Yeah, that's a pretty, um, it's like, um, Garona or Aristotle. They're not just gonna, they're not just gonna work it out and make up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you you get the sense that she would genuinely like to help you if she were more capable of it, but that she's restricted from moving that much in the mortal world. There's stuff yeah. she can do, but she can't just go right, obliterate, blast, Pytax ceases to exist. Yeah, the um, she's got different restrictions than the regular gods, but they're probably more restricting her in the area when it comes to the area of acting in the mortal realm. Yeah. In, areas where mortals are just competing with mortals. The yep. gods can only do so much in that circumstance, and she can probably do less because that's really not her bailwick. So, yep. Cool. And that's that one. But it's good to know she's not um, she's not overly angered about the you know, the next while is going to be pretty emphatically military preparedness. Yep. It's not yeah. what she wants us to be doing, but she understands that we need it's, to. It's she wants you... She She's clear that she wants you to win, but she really doesn't have any comprehension of how you're going to do that. It's just kind of... She's not an idiot. She gets the conception that you kind of throw armies at each other until one of you wins. Yeah. But she doesn't grasp war. She, she's struggling to literally grasp war as a concept. Yeah. It doesn't fit within her bailwick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then you may have your highly animated council. Yes. So, um, the thing I'd want to pursue next, um, is, um, in terms of it being the new month, um, is recovering, um, recovering Heston Garrett. Yep. Um, I can do that as part of the council meeting if you prefer. Uh... Let us say that there is a council meeting in which you... 
Because actually thinking about it, I haven't got all that much to say to you without any um, feedback from you. Um, so, uh, if I may, mm-hmm. um, basically there's an immediate council meeting where people run around like endless chickens and sort out exactly what you're going to do, and we'll rebuild the walls, and we'll send this army to here, and blah, 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 blah. Cool, that's the next couple of days. Um, as a part of that, um, diplomatic communiques will be sent to Iriveti, asking for Keston ba- Garris back and, you know, we will offer you X sort of price for him and etc, etc, etc. What you get back is one of his quicker sort of... Um, what One of his quicker... I don't want to say droids. Um, one of his quicker clockwork men, which you have seen before, the courier units that he has that move quite quickly but otherwise aren't as well armoured or built, um, comes in under, di- under white flag of diplomatic flag approaches openly, goes to the guards and says, you know, he's got a diplomatic message for the king is escorted through to you gives it to you and you open it up and it is something from Iraveti that is several dozen pages long and you read through it and essentially he categorically rejects your offer to ransom Keston Garris and openly tells you, in fact it would be foolish to turn back over a tactical advantage this war between us will continue until one side is the victor, and both of us know it. I give you my word that Commander Garrus will be unharmed, imprisoned, but in fair conditions. He will not be returned. He will not be returned to you at any price. Take what tactical advantages you already have and use them well. Cool. Iravidi flat out refuses to ransom it back to you. Sweet. Um, he gives you the implication that he's going to put Keston in a middlingly gilded cage. Yeah. Like he's not going to throw him in a rat-infested hole. He's going to put him somewhere. He's going to put him under guard. But he's not going to torture or beat him or whatever. Yeah. And one of the nice things about Duravetti is he's generally as good as his word. He's as good as his word. And what he has, what he has literally sent you is his proposal for the rules of war which is essentially a sort of Geneva Convention type thing that says as long as you don't start doing it first, he's not going to actively massacre your citizens, he's going to take prisoners where he can, Uh, he won't ransom anyone back to you if you lose them, then they're gone until you go and take them back again. Yeah. Um, You know, but he will take POWs, he will keep them, um, etc., etc., and it is essentially sending this to you as a proposal of can we agree that we're going to fight like this? Yeah, and um, K- Kaelin will send back a um, much shorter response, which says basically, "I accept the terms of yeah. this conquest." Yeah, yeah he's, he's not giving you a super super legalistic contract. It's only yeah. sort of twelve pages long. Yeah, versus the actual Geneva Convention is several hundred pages. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's essentially laying out that sort of thing, which I imagine Caelan doesn't blink at a great Yeah, yeah, the, virtually, very nearly all of it is what Caelan Yeah, the vast majority of the stuff you're going to do anyway. Yeah, so. I just figured he might be prepared to swap Keston Garrus for build points he could use on his own military preparedness, but I, no, can, see his perspective, I can see his perspective that one military commander is worth any number of build points. Um, it, it actually doesn't hurt him to ask for this, so... Uh, he will, in fact, trade you back Keston Garrus, but you know exactly what he's going to ask uh, yeah, for. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, wants yeah. Bryn, he wants Gatekeeper, and he wants, wants first. first. Yep. Understood. Mm-hmm. Um. 
but it's it's almost an afterthought. The yeah, letter, he's yeah. like, you know, well, I'm here, yeah, yeah, just in case. Yeah, and I imagine he probably puts like a tiny provision at the bottom that says, an ex- you know, he'll give me Kirsten Kist- Garris and peace in exchange and a peace treaty in exchange for. No, no, no. He, he's, it's, it's. I do not. I do not expect that you place such a high value on Commander Garrus, but should such be the case, then I will free. Then I will freely take trade him back to you immediately and at your soonest convenience, in exchange for in exchange for what I have previously expressed my desire for. Yeah. And again, you know, the girl, the sword, yeah, the bro- the, the girl, the defect, the defective broken unit. Yeah. And gatekeeper. Yep. Okay. He doesn't think, and and he explicitly does not propose. If you do that, we will have peace. Right. It's, if you do that, you can have Keston Garris back. Yeah. He doesn't oh, yeah. expect you're going to take him up on that offer, but that's all that he's offering. Yeah. Peace has left the table. Cool. Well, that's fine. Because I'm there too. All right, and then all right. So having gotten this communique and heading into the actual month, we have a we have a council meeting. Yep. People are, you know, concerned, shockingly yep. enough, yep. that you're at war with Pythax. Yep. And Celia Ravenbrow, your new warden from Nivellon, says, So, I guess the question, you know, is where do we go from here? I mean, that's that's mostly what I want to know. We can stay here and fight the war defensively. We've got big walls to smash them off every time they come up. Now it's just going to be a question of who can make the most men and who can fight the hardest. Hmm? Yeah, unfortunately, um, Pytex has a pretty big um, has a pretty big um, supply of armies themselves. We're not going to be able to um, hold them off defensively forever. Sooner or later. Um, if we just stay solely on the defensive, sooner or later Jaylev will come up with an army big enough that we can't take them. We are going to have to take the fight to them, as well as coming up with a big enough defensive army that we can hold them off if they try and take the fight to us. At least to begin with, though, I want a better understanding of the conditions in, down in Pytax. I don't want to send any army in without a but better knowledge of the terrain and where his armies are stationed on what we'd be sending them into. Vaughn, your general, nods at this. I think you have the right at that, Kaelin. We cannot move our armies freely through Pytex's territory without any idea what they're going into. We could walk into ambushes, be pincered. It's a bad situation all round. We can sc- we can scout, but it would be best it would be best to have very strong, very capable and competent scouts out there. We don't know what we'll be running into. Uh, the, um, we know he's got about four, four or five armies is about down there, and we don't know how close, how closely he, his settlements are to each other, or how he's going to, how he can reinforce, how fast he can reinforce them. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, um, it's a bad piece of work unless we've got a better understanding. But he can't, um, if he's got his armies... He's either um, paying to feed his troops, or he's um, got them holed up in his cities, um, waiting to be activate, waiting to um, go again. So 
he can't have them just lying about wherever he pleases. They have they have to be um, fixed in place unless he's um, actively paying his boys quite a lot. If we get a handle on where they normally are, we'll have a good handle on what we can do. And if he does have any defensive vulnerabilities, we can take advantage of. Um, and Svetlana will produce and spread out a map of Pytax across the table. And she says, based on our previous loose diplomatic relations with Pytax and our contacts, um, you know, we know exactly where the main central city is. You know, puts it here. Um, and there is a smaller settlement named Little Town there. That is the entirety of what makes up his settlements. The forest of the forest of thousand voices is found sort of hereish in mountains hereish. And like she can absolutely point you on a map of this is where Pytax is because Pytax, the main capital, is because everyone knows that. Yeah. You know, this is where Little Town is, etc., etc. This is ish where the forest is, ish where the mountain is. Um, but that's about it. Of course, she can't provide you with any useful information on where his armies and troop movements are and that sort of thing. Yeah. She says, it is a shame that diploma- it is a shame that diplomacy has failed us so utterly, but I think war is inevitable here. The Clockwork King does not compromise. He's, um, he's been, I think he's been building, he, if you look at his um, strategy, it follows an extremely logical progression. He asked nicely, he offered to pay me lots of money. He developed valuable diplomatic information that could have protected the kingdom from Drelev's sneak attack. And when all three of those failed, I believe he moved directly to military preparation. And he, the, the reason he's prosecuted the war now is he thought he could win. And he may, you know, he probably still thinks that. I mean, he, he lost an army of trolls. I mean, that's not a big loss. I mean, it's not like they were his citizens. They were just spares from Hagrolka's thing. He didn't, he didn't get very badly bloodied and he cost us an army. For such a young man, says the old Beldame, your spymaster, this, uh, this clockwork king has quite, has quite a lot of patience and planning and strategy. I agree with you. I would say he's been thinking about this for a good long time now. If we give him enough time that he feels ill, he's got the advantage, he'll melt another assault. On the other hand, we learned a lot about what he can do and what he can't from that assault. Elseris defences weren't nearly strong enough, but our armies were strong enough, and that's a good thing. If we um, rebuild the bomb, if we re- um, defend, uh, provide Merkvale with the defensive army is already in motion, Get a big, get a bigger army. We know now he can marshal a, 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 a very large army against us. We need to have a few more boys on our own side to replace the bowmen with a bigger army. That should give us the capacity to defend ourselves against another shot like that, and over time build up Elksrix's defenses so that it takes a few more shots Elks to take us down. Then we'll have to look at coming up with an offensive force because we'll need to leave quite a lot of our boys home to protect our own own lands if we do mount an attack against him. And Akora Silverfire, Viceroy of Vardholz, because they've all come for this one. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of important. Jesus. Then it is our intent to then it is our intent to be at war with the Clockwork King. There is no other way around this. 
no, this is a time of war, not a time of peace. And Gail and says that in a... Um, he doesn't necessarily know all the customs, but he knows the centaurs have the time of peace and the time of war. Then my duties here are discharged. And she nods to you and starts leaving the room. Mm-hmm. And presuming that you don't stop her, she walks out. Um, I will um, let her leave the council chambers yep. and then excuse myself to the others yep. and catch up with her in the corridor. Yep. Um, she is you you will find her very easily. She is heading out um and heading towards Deneed Thunderhoof, who is hanging not literally standing outside the door of the council chamber, but is hanging around in this area. And you approach the pair of them and she Akora looks at you, you know, slightly bemused. Is something amiss? I wanted to check in on what happens now. Um does um I I'm, I confess I'm a little confused. You didn't do this in the war against and war against Fort Draylev. It was explained there and then that we would not be going to war with Fort Draylev. We did not pursue their armies. We did not send armies of our own into their territory until the gates themselves were opened to us. There was no war with Fort Draylev. Ah, yes, I see. Yeah, I, I watched this one quite carefully. The wording you gave her and the things she asked for was quite specific. Yeah, because it is it is a different situation yes. than it was then. Yeah, here you are committing to an ongoing war. Yeah. Whereas you actually had no concept of we're going to pay Draylev back for the sneak attack. It's it's we've got to solve this. Yeah. But we're not going to war with them and planning on lots of army battles and things. Yeah, no, this time it's, it's much more of a military thing. And Deneed steps up and folds her Arms. This means that I am in charge of the centaurs of Van Halls. I am she, Akora Silverfire is the priestess of peace. I am the war leader. All right. And Akora turns to you and says, "Surely this must have been." Ah, uh, Denise Thunderhoof is now Denise Thunderhoof is now the viceroy of Van Halls. Understood. Then um, you'll need to, um, and I'll look at need. Then you'll need to hand um, commands of the hooves of thunder over to your second in command. Understood. And um, I'll nod to Akora, and you'll watch over the tribe while she watches over the um, the larger lands until the time of war is ended, and it is time for the priestess of peace again. Understood. And so, literally, you are getting an involuntary change in your council. Whether you want it or not, theoretically you could fight this, no. you know, and argue with the centaurs about it. But the centaurs have decided by their own internal logic that Deneed now leads them because it's a time of war. Therefore, she gets a Cora's job, whatever that might entail. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so you nearly had her as your counselor. Yeah, I'm super, that would be more of a problem. <laughs> At that point, I'd have a conversation with her about switching her to general or something. Yeah. But um, no, I'm actually okay with her as Viceroy of Vanhold. I'm not certain that all the people of Vanhold will be wrapped about that. No, but... well that's where the immediate point of unrest comes from. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, you know, that's that's the way the cookie comes. Yeah, so when you get to assign leadership for your next turn, your leadership will change whether you want it to or not. Yeah, do I pick up the point of unrest now? No, you change your leadership. Yep, next turn, yeah, okay, so... Um...
just in the same way, like, if Akora died and you replaced her with someone else, you wouldn't yeah. pick up unrest when she died and then unrest when you fill the slot. Yeah. And, yes, that, um, that means I literally have one general left that's a named general. Yep. No, no, that's not true. I've got two. I've still got Mick Mick and I've still got, um, Sir Frederick Marsh. Okay. Yep. Because the Deep Thunderhoof was leading the Central Army. Yep. Which means she's literally come from the battlefield relatively recently. Yes. And still has, like, scars and scratches and yeah. bruises on her and things. And she will nod respectfully to you um, and gives you the sort of centaur clap to the commander and then goes past you straight to the council chamber. Yeah. Because <laughs> now she's you know, just feels completely entitled to be in here. And you see a few people looking bemusedly at her and it only takes Tristan sort of half a second and he goes, oh yeah, yeah. So one... Kellen walks back in. Uh, as Akora was saying, it is a time of war. So let me introduce... Uh, you all know Deneed Thunderhoof, the um, current Viceroy of Varnholf. <laughs> and several people nod at this. Um, Tyrion, Celia, and Lilia, the people who have the least experience with the centaurs, all look kind of confused. All look like they want to ask a question, and none of them are quite prepared. Um... Celia looks confused, realises she's obviously the outsider here and doesn't understand something. Yeah. And sort of, you see her just like shrug to herself, it's cool, she'll catch up with it later. You see Lillian and Tyrion look at each other, and neither one of them wants to be the one that asks the dumb question, so they both shut up and yeah. stare at each other instead. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll catch them afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It's more for amusing character context yeah. than serious planning operations. Yeah. And um, I will uh, lay for the need what we're looking at in terms yep. of um, mounting an immediate build-up of our defences followed by and explore of the terrain of Pytax followed by potentially mounting an offensive war when we feel we're ready. We must also be prepared, says Van, for other people to take to take advantage of the opportunity here. While we are at war with Pytax, we are weak against the likes of Mivon the remnants of Brevoy and others. I'm not saying we have any intelligence to suggest assault is coming from those sides. I'm merely suggesting that if our kingdom has enemies, this will be a time when they will strike. I hope that um, neither Mervon nor Brevoy would want to pick a fight with us. I understand their concerns about us picking a fight with them. Um, It's certainly the logical time to do so if they're going to do so, but I would hope that they wouldn't take Take that yeah, both, both of them are noodling around with their armies in the same way you do when your two powerful neighbours start going to war. Yeah. But they're not marching people at you or anything. Um, but I'm, I think it's a, good, it's a good reminder. I'm less concerned about those known allies and more about people who strike from the shadows. There may be enemies we haven't seen yet who will take this opportunity to, to, to take a strike at us. See Huxley of Royal Enforcer nods quietly and grimly in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I would do. I, the Church of Gorona have evidently suffered a setback, and Talon smiles big, shit-eating, fangy grin. Um, indeed, a couple of setbacks, but I wouldn't count them down for the count. And there may be others like him who um, have a hand to play in this yet. There's always the possibility that a bunch of marauding dragons just fly over the border at any time. We're no longer comfortingly too small for things like that to take an interest in us. 
But that's the advantage of, um, if we can swing it, having an army for each territory, is that, um, theoretically, that should be enough to hold them against um, whatever's coming in. And it offers us the mobility to strike back at anything that comes through. That's the goal, anyway. It, and it... I was a bit... It, things were... It was a bit tougher than I'd like, but we did manage to hold them all off. That we didn't get a city, we didn't get a city or a settlement um, under siege this time, and we didn't have to bring in mercenaries. Which, while mercenaries have many advantages, they are bloody expensive. We may get need them as an option. And going forward, though, Your Majesty says, Lady Quintessa Moray from the back. Kaelin's face tightens almost impersonally in a way it wouldn't have before the last month. Based on our based on our trade relations and our banking with Dag- with the Kingdom of Dagamark, they have extended an offer should additional finances be required to us. Uh, basically, Dagamark is prepared to loan you build points and in really significant quality quantities. Um. You know, the specifics of which to be worked out depending on yeah. what you need kind of thing. But you're explicitly not immediately screwed when you're in debt because they are openly telling you that they will give you, they will loan you build points functionally. They will, in, in the form of gold pretty much directly yeah. for the mutual benefit of your kingdoms. Well, that'll be damn handy if it comes down to a crunch and we're having trouble keeping our armies in the field. Um, convey, convey my gratitude, don't I, I say, looking between sort of Svetlana yeah. and Quintessa yeah. as the two. Yeah, and I mean, that, that one is coming under Quintessa's array because it's yeah. a financial transaction. And she's the one, the she's, brains she's behind, the treasury, yeah. yeah, and the brains behind our financial arrangements with Daylight. Yeah, yes, yes, so that's pretty much why she's the point of communicating there. Yeah. yeah. Varn will say, Varn nods at this and he says, war is expensive, but sometimes there's no alternative to fighting it. We also have to be prepared for the Clockwork King to go outside of our defences, raising farms, seizing mines, that sort of thing, are tactics that can be used. Yeah, that's certainly what I'm thinking of doing to him. Pytax um, will be a very tough nut to crack. Although we'll see um, when we have a look around how much defence he's put into that little settlement of his. Oh, it's really nice not having Akaros here as your general. <laughs> you get like Varn... I have deep, serious thoughts on this. They're fuck him in the eye. Yeah, it's not a coincidence that I tra- Atheros was the one I picked to trade. He's um, he brings a lot to the table, but you know, it's I'm not necessarily totally heartbroken that he's having a sojourn and move on. Mm-hmm. And besides, Celia Ravenclaw, Celia, Celia is badass. And so yeah, I think, yeah, and that pretty much yeah. Then then there's a lot of lengthy debate about what it is you're going to do next and that sort of thing. And basically, you know, the the council thinks you should send people into Pytax to go scope the area, you know, learn where the armies are, see what's happening, fight off anything else that's going to be a problem or threat to your army, like giant random monsters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Honestly, they're not expecting so much in the way of giant random monsters because Pytax is pretty well organised from that point of view. Erebini doesn't strike as the sort of guy that would take a lot of there's a giant tiger eating my people. It's like, yeah. right, well, we'll solve this fucking giant tiger problem. Yeah. Um, 
But basically, at this point, you're down to exploring again. Yeah. Because they think, unsurprisingly, like Vaughn will tell you, you know, if he sends his elite scouts in, they'll get massacred. Yeah. You know, you need high-level adventurers to be up to this shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, because we've got to actually sneak around quite a lot, given it's fighter. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, anything that has that Uruviti hasn't taken out is going to be tough. Yeah. So when you start your map, I will literally immediately put a couple of locations on it. Because yeah. Mm-hmm. This is. I, I'm not doing the fucking thing. We need to roll knowledge geography checks to know where the giant capital city of Pythax is. Thank you. Yeah, I mean it is more of a blank slate because I haven't been to Pythax, yeah. or at least not in the time of the campaign. Yes, yes, but multiple people from your kingdom have. Yeah, you, know, you could find fifty merchants who have been there. Yeah, you've got Rat who's come from Pythax. Yeah, city. yeah. <laughs> Who can tell me not only where Pytax is, but the locations of a large number of valuables within Pytax? So I already have a hex map that can be um, portrayed. So in terms of things I could use printed, um, I could use another army sheet. I'm about to go over six armies. Mm -hmm. And... um, and I want to leave the slot with Keston's Bowman stats available yep. for Keston's Bowman's and have a fresh sheet for the Lizard Folk Army. Yep. And um, I could use um, another three pages of kick of calendar. The yep. Abadias is the last month on 421. Four, cool. 4721. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're not in. Yeah, Abadias is the new year, I think. Yeah, so, um, and I would be happy to call it there. Yep. I'm good with that. So. I'll do a little bit of tidy up paperworking and. Yeah, so your, your council sort of debate about this, you know, there's a lot of reassuring each other that we've done everything we can for this. And. Then. Yeah, we. Yeah, Vaughn. Vaughn basically nods at this. Then to war, then. Until one way or the other, we have peace again. To war. Can Stagthorn overcome the forces of the cruel clockwork kingdom of Pytax? Dum, dum, dum. dum. dum.